Special final, Jason Jones from the striker and from the mothership. Joe Patrick from 99 The Game, Jersey Soccer, is over there, fresh back from a, a near playoff team. Watching a, an actual playoff team and a near playoff yeah, team. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what must that experience be like, Joe Patrick? It was uh, it was fun. I got I was watching uh, Mauricio Pereira for uh, Orlando up close. Just really dictating mm-hmm, the tempo mm-hmm. of the game. And wow, I got to see yeah. Anton Walks make a big mistake at the end, which was disappointing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was actually fun to just like watch another game. I think that was probably the first MLS game I've ever seen in person that was not involving an Atlanta United game or Atlanta United. So it was fun. And you're, you're telling me that Charlotte lost late. They did. They lost at the first at the game. End. You, I'm kind of sensing a common denominator <laughs> here. So Patrick. Yeah. Oh man! Well, I was watching a couple yeah, of other. I was, to, I was like watching the Atlanta United game on my phone in the seat for a while before I was like, <laughs> "Screw this!" You're like that gonna- little kid who has their dad <laughs> yeah, exactly. hold the phone behind them so they can watch Bluey or whatever. That's exactly right. Yeah, except I'm like a masochist. <laughs> yeah, proud of you. All right, uh, housekeeping stuff. Patreon.com/slash/final. You know at this point. Uh, credit Kirk Castle on the intro of the song is Chances. You should know that at this point. And you should know that we have all sorts of stuff going up at patreon.com slash five stripe final, including interviews, video reviews, et cetera, et cetera. You should definitely check out DirtySoSoccer.com. You should definitely check out TheStriker.com. We'll have all sorts of stuff going up throughout the week. I'm literally reading Atlanta The United. Striker right now. Perfect. Perfect. All sorts of stuff going up all week as we continue to dissect and process what appears to be a team coming to the end of their their road here in Atlanta for, for the 2022 season. Loss against Red Bulls on Wednesday. We have a reaction show up on that. It's just like the normal show. It's just on Patreon, so there's more profanity. And a draw <laughs> with Columbus that really probably should have been a win. Joe Patrick, I am tired of talking about it. Well, guess what? <laughs> You're going to have to talk about it a lot <laughs> Great more. Great news. Because I have no yeah. idea what happened. Well, I, I have some idea of what happened. But yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking, it's like the wheels aren't coming off at Lane United, but they definitely ran over a nail strip and are deflated. And the bus is just slowly coming to a stop. <laughs> it feels mm-hmm. like it feels like we're at that point in the season. Oh, man. Well, let's talk about something that may give us a little bit to look forward to in a quick, quick, quick segment of This Is Time. This is time, Joe Patrick. This is my this is my Liverpool just lost to Manchester United mm-hmm. demeanor. Yeah. By the way, if anyone's wondering why I'm like this, just, I mean, I'm kind of generally like this, but it's my fault because I couldn't record until after we this game was played and it was always a, a risk always always what's not a risk joe patrick maybe i don't know it's the only way i could transition out of that what's not a risk joe patrick is hiring a search firm to hire your new club president i mean it might be it could be a terrible search firm we don't know they won't <laughs> tell us who the search firm actually is hmm. but Atlanta united have hired a search firm according to doug roberson of the atlanta journal Constitution timeline still seems to be for the end of the year. Uh, aiming for just postseason. Once the season ends, they could make a hire at any moment on that, as long as they have the right person. Uh, we'll just keep an eye out for that. And Joe Patrick, I think that's all I had for business time. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's like there's not a lot else we can add other than just to let everybody know that it's happening. But 
It's happening. Keep your ears out. Keep your yeah. eyes open. Yeah. All that kind of thing. All right, Joe Patrick. Let's, let's talk about this nonsense. <laughs> Sports Prime. Game time. Okay. So, Sam, I got to ask you. I saw a pretty spicy quote that you tweeted after the game from Gonzalo Pineda talking about the refs. What was going on there? <laughs> Gonzalo just likes to circumvent the rules. <laughs> a little bit of malicious compliance. I liked his word on play. Gonzalo's part. Yeah, I see what he did. There. He's done this a couple of times where he said that, uh, of course, the refs are always right and coaches are always wrong. Clearly, he does not mean that. <laughs> he does not mean the words he is saying. They are uh, dripping with with sarcasm and irony. Uh, refs weren't good in this one. We can kind of say that up top. I think we can kind of just put that out there. Let everyone know that and then kind of move on with their lives. Probably should have been a goal given on Santiago Sosa's header off a corner. Edwin Mascara looked onside later in the game. They weren't great. So that being said, I, so I saw the I think I know the the header that you're talking about with Sosa. And it's one of those things where people are like, well, what was the foul? And Maybe it may or may not have been an actual foul. Like I, I, I would totally agree that it looked soft, but there was definitely like contact. I think that Juanjo Parata or so, some other player had made inside the box, and that's what they were calling. So it's one of those things where I think a lot of people get upset that we don't get like clarification on the calls or whatever. But that's just kind of the way it is. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just maybe it's a soft foul or not. But the rule, you know, the rest of the refs, the refs are gonna call the game how they see it and. Nothing we can do about it. So I know a lot of people yeah. like to like to, uh, you know, understandably, I think, get frustrated at the calls that are made sometimes. But I think us on this podcast, what we're trying to say is that you just got to live with the calls that are made and we got to just analyze the game. How, how it was, how it was administered. So it's like Roberson reached out to pro. You can do that when you're at the game. It's part of a weird media pool process where like you literally i've done this before someone voted me like the the media uh, liaison to the refs one time and i got like a sheet of paper with like a note on it and i had to walk to the referee locker room and like hand them a note and they said okay we'll be right back to you <laughs> and then they came back a few minutes later and said here's what happened we got the call right and that was the whole thing <laughs> yeah, that's so what... that's the process for that <laughs> It's really informative. <laughs> Doug Roberson did this. Uh, they said Sosa, San Diego Sosa pushed off on the set piece. And that's kind of all the clarification we got. The, it was a foul because it was a foul. Thank you, pro. What, we appreciate What they're going to tell a pool reporter is always that like they made, they made the call that was given on the field. And if there is a correction that ends up happening, that will happen on the PRO review show or whatever when they go over some of the controversial calls. But they'll never admit to a mistake or probably even think they made a mistake at that point uh, after a game. So, but usually maybe sometimes they can just give you more clarification as to like what the foul is that they were calling. I know there was a debatable one with Brooks Lennon earlier this season as well on a potential penalty um, where the ref said that, or no, it was a non penalty given. And the ref said that he thought he was going down before the contact was made. So sometimes you can get a little bit more information about that, but you're never going to get some this, kind of, admission this is like 30 minutes too much. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Of this is like 30 minutes too much of ref talk. We're going to, we're going to move on. It seemed like, uh, it seemed like the team, played well. Look, seemed like the team played well. They created a lot of XG. 
Yeah, I mean, 2.0 XG to 0.7, but you can't shut off defensively twice like that. Mm, yeah. Especially with Cucho Hernandez there, yeah. right? They, they were always a threat at every single moment because Cucho Hernandez is there. He has eight goals in eight games now, and the two moments you shut off, you got burned, and at that point, you were playing from behind. Full credit, you came back, you scored, you earned at least a point out of that one, but it should have been more. You should have been within a couple points of the playoff line. Now you're five points back, and Columbus has a game in hand on you in seventh place. And that's the season. Yep. That's it. That's all of it. I mean, that's the whole thing. I've been making so many comparisons to the the 2021 version of LAFC. Not because I think that this team can make a similar jump next year. It's not quite that level. But because LAFC were so defined by their defensive mistakes over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. last season. And that's what this team has become. It's become a talented team who attacks well, who makes too many defensive mistakes to, to be a actually good team and that's the whole bit we got to see all of it yep on a rainy rainy sunday afternoon in columbus and it encapsulated everything perfectly and i don't really know what else to add add to it yep i mean that about nails it it kind of it it brings me back to the whole weak link thing it's like this team can be good they can have attacking players that are good and they can produce some quality attack quality attacking stuff in games periodically but you're pretty much only going to be as good as the the lapses and and all that on the other end of the field. And seems like this was yeah. kind of a perfect encapsulation of that. If you ain't fixed at 26 games into the season, you're not going to fix it now. Right. It just is what the team is. Right. Seem- that being said, I, I think we can look at the general framework of yeah. this team yeah. and say that this is pretty okay. Yeah. As far as most things go, there are clear and obvious fixes to make. And if you get those right, this could be a really, really good team next year. But those deficiencies are there for the rest of the year, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, it seems like they've really found something with this Andrew Gutman left center back role and the shape. And, you know, it's not like they will play with that shape in every single game going forward this season and probably next season um, when Andrew Gutman better be in this team still. <laughs> but um, but like, you know, I, I again, in, in the parts of the game I saw, he was still able to get forward at times, create chances. He had that shot. That was a, a really great shot opportunity. That was a, a really nice save by uh, is it Eloy Room. Is that the the yes. goalkeeper's name? Um, so it's good to see him playing in that kind of defensive position where he's able to add value there. But he's also has the has the license and ability to get forward and, you know, give you kind of a value on on all ends of the field kind of like you would out of a fullback although he has a slightly different position so i think that that's one one positive that we're kind of taking away not just from this game but just the last couple of games that we've seen him in that shape yeah I, I think so remember it does kind of shift into a 4-3-3 in possession yeah he's not technically it's kind of that hybrid role yeah you know but it is a unique wrinkle that i don't think teams have really quite figured out yet but in general i mean overall the Attacked looked good. Amar Sadich did a nice job of progressing the ball and helping Santiago Sosa cover ground because Santiago Sosa has cement blocks for feet. You know, it, it looked pretty okay for the most part. Again, two whole moments shut off. That's it. That's the whole thing. So there were things to take away from it. I think overall, it, Gonzalo Pineda had an interesting quote this week before the Red Bulls game, which we haven't even touched on yet, but we'll sum up in a second with a few profanities. 
It's also Pineda talked earlier this week about wanting to find a consistent 11 and stick with that best 11 for most of the year. And he wants to usually do that by July or June. Couldn't do that this year. Mm-mm. Couldn't do that this year. What you have right now with your current personnel who's not out for a season long amount of time, right? This is your best 11. Yeah. Some variation of this, whether you want to put Amar or Marcy in, or whether you want to put Hernandez or Lennon in, and that's kind of the two tweaks you make based on whatever the other team is showing you, and that's what you ride the rest of the season and hope you catch a ton of breaks and hope you start winning every single game and hope a miracle happens, right? But the only way it's going to happen is if you continue with that best 11 and you start building towards next year mm-hmm. with a similar framework in mind for next year's group. Yeah, it's about finding out who's going to be with you and and who you want to to roll with into that next season. And I've been one that has been saying I want to see Joseph play because I want to see what he's got throughout the rest of this year. But I got I got to say at this point he's just he's I, I've seen enough. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've seen enough. Um, don't need to see anymore. Um, which is it's just sad, but I mean it's just how it is. Um, I was going to say, so Santiago Sosa may have cement blocks for feet but when a cement block goes through a ball. I mean, that was one of the best goals I've seen score in a Laney night yeah, player. That was a pure rocket from a tough he angle. He reads the game. He clearly has a very high soccer IQ. Gonzalo was talking last night about Santiago Sosa recognizing that there was space for him to move up. That wasn't necessarily the plan for him to make mm. those, those runs and, and kind of get to the top of the box like that. Although he was doing it somewhat consistently against Cincinnati as well. But he recognized that space and he got into the top of the box and got to zone 14 in uh, in a game where maybe Tiago Amada and Amar Sadis didn't quite get there as much as you would have liked. It was Sosa who got there uh, the first time and obviously hit the living hell out of the ball and found the back of the net for his first MLS goal. That's that's really encouraging to see. And it's it's clear to me that he's the most retainable of all the midfielders that mm-hmm. you have, mm-hmm. followed immediately by Marseille on a minimum contract. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then everyone else. I, I got a hard shrug for the rest of the group, <laughs> yeah. to be totally honest. That's why, I mean, I think there's just going to be a ton of turnover on this team because there's not that many players where you feel like we have to bring this person back or this person has to be back. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through this already, but yeah, there's just not that many of them. Sosa's maybe in that group, but Andrew Gutman, Caleb Wiley, the DPs, maybe, you know, some of them. (laughs) So, well, well, here's what I'll add to is that when we're looking at throw the Red Bulls result out the window, here's our Red Bulls review. Atlanta gets their ass kicked by Red Bulls every single time because they keep falling into the same trap. It's the same thing every year. Check back next year for our Red Bulls review. That's the whole thing. We pre-recorded after this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Throw everything out the window. As far as playing normal soccer teams, (laughs) like Cincinnati (laughs) and Columbus, we're seeing that certain tenets of Gonzalo Pineda's philosophy, especially in attack, can work. Right? And I think we're seeing that over time with consistency, those tenants will lead to clear attacking patterns of play. You'll notice at times that when they get the ball into certain areas, they don't quite yet know exactly when and where to move to get to essentially what are called kill patterns, 
right, to create space for themselves and to, to find that final ball and to get the ball into dangerous areas. Sometimes that's lacking. And I think we can criticize Gonzalo for that. But in general, the tenets of possession-based play and moving the ball quickly and, and getting forward with numbers in the box and getting the ball into areas like zone 14 and into areas like the primary assist zone, those are good. Mm-hmm. Those are there. Those are we're, we're starting to see proof of concept of that. Problem is it's way too late for that, <laughs> but that's <laughs> yeah. in part due to the lack of consistency that Lady United has had. I think just to have these next few games kind of continue to show that, I think that's maybe the most important thing for next year, and then maybe not stirring the pot too much. Obviously, there are fixes, but don't change every single thing while you try to find that consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, it's good to, it's good to kind of pick out these silver linings because, um, well... <laughs> First of all, I think everybody needs it uh, to an extent. But I mean, I think it is good, especially for Gonzalo, a young manager, to see some of the things that he's trying to ingrain in this team actually kind of come come to fruition and manifest themselves on the field. I think that's a positive sign, despite the fact that, to your point, it's just obviously happening. It's like too little too late for this team this year. But um, it's at least good to see some progress happening. And maybe we can continue to see that throughout the rest of this year. But, you know, because it's like one of those games where, I get it. Like the crew were not good by all accounts, but I don't know if Atlanta gets mm-hmm. this result um, earlier in the season um, on the road in Columbus. So it's it's not great, but it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, in general, I don't know what like, to say about this again, game, honestly, and this like result, it's like it's a result if, that in other contexts uh, could be fine. But in this contest, mm-hmm. it's not it's not nearly enough. Exactly. I was going to say it's in a vacuum. All these all these road draws where you're out playing the other team and have a potential chance to, to get three points. Mm-hmm. Great. Good work. Do it the entire season next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anyone else you want to kind of pick out? Anyone else you thought did a decent job? I, I think um, I the know, story's pretty plain. I thought there was a, I thought there was a noticeable um, improvement in the quality of the attack on the right side with Brooks Lennon in the game, obviously, instead of uh, Ronald Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that stood out to anybody else, but um, I thought I just thought that he added that little bit of quality. And I also liked um, there, w- there was a moment where he dribbled forward and tried to play Luis Araujo through in on goal. And it was he was offside. But I liked the way that that looked with kind of with Araujo. Play- he was play- basically playing as a striker in this game. It looked like it was kind of two strikers like Cisneros and Araujo up top. And I like him in that role where it's kind of like you want kind of want the selfishness a little more it can kind of do give you a little bit more value, um, which is something that we've kind of complained about with with Araujo at times when he's playing in more of a role where he's playing underneath a striker and needs to be a little bit more creative where I don't know if maybe that's necessarily his game because he's he definitely wants to be a goal scorer. For sure, for sure. No, no I think you're right. I think having Brooks in that position helps you. That being said, I think you can. I think we have questions about this later. I think you can upgrade at that position. I think so too. I think so too. Yeah, know? yeah. But again, for me, this is your best eleven right now. Right at the rest of the year until you're all the way nail in the coffin, dead, and then you can move on. Yeah. And start making other choices. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, Joe Patrick. We're gonna make a quick choice to go right now to a very short break.
And before we get back into the show, did just want to remind everybody that the presenting partner of Five Stripe Final is Lucid FC. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing. Lucid FC shop in Buckhead is open by appointment and walk-ins from 1 to 8 p.m. daily at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. You can use DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping at lucidfc.us. That free shipping is only within the United States. So if you're in Kuwait or anywhere else around the world, I'm sorry, it won't it won't work. It's not going to work. Sorry, Tony. Find athletic inspired heritage sets now available online. French Terry cotton athletic sets. Perfect for performance and recovery as seen on Miles Robinson in their newest release. And there's new releases this summer from Lucid FC every Thursday on their web shop. Again, that's lucidfc.us and use that DSS as your season long promo code for free shipping in the United States. So, Patrick, I have a question. Yep. Did we do weekly shows during 2020? Ooh, that's a good question. I, like many of y'all, have blacked out most of that I, year. I think we did. Hmm, that's that's a good question. Uh, actually, I could probably look in my. I guess we could look. I, 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 I would. I, I would have them in my documents here. Um, I mean, we, I'm just saying we we seem we seem a little yep. low today. I'm oh, yeah. sure it got worse in 2020. Oh yeah, oh right? yeah, we were doing we were definitely doing weekly in 2020. <laughs> Holy crap! What's wrong with us, man? We we were like getting excited oh, about. I'm seeing the winning against DC remember United. We, remember when we had Kevin Egan on? Seeing that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot first. of files where we have like guests: Tom Bogert, Felipe, Rob. Um, so maybe we reverted to that quite a bit during that season. That seems like a good crutch. I, I, what else would <laughs> yeah, you do right. at that point? Oh, uh, yeah, here's uh, my one title labeled 72520 FSF FDB out. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did it. You can't tell me our podcast didn't get him oh fired. God. There's just three consecutive zero ones. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah. Like that's that, uh, that back. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I had a question there. You guys have questions now. We'll start with Kurt Castle, who asked, have we learned anything from the last couple performances? Has any gain come from this pain? I think we can go back to what you're seeing in attack. I think we know that San Diego Sosa is looking a lot more like the initial version of him, himself, and that's encouraging to see. I think we've learned that he can still distribute the ball well, that he can obviously have a hit when he needs to. And I think we still pretty much understand that he is lacking in some areas defensively. Other than that, I think you just kind of continue to see progression from from what you're doing offensively. And that's all you can do. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think we have yeah. learned a little bit like we we mainly covered a lot of that in, that in the first segment of the show or in the first half of the show. Um, just talking about some of the players. Andrew Gutman, um, I want hope Barata is another guy we haven't, you know, talked about him today necessarily, but I think just generally over the, his course of time here at Atlanta United, I think we, that we've learned that he's could be a guy who I'm not comfortable. I don't know if I'm quite comfortable with like saying that, like he could be a starter for this team, like a regular starter for this team next he year, He shouldn't be, but he could be a role player. Like he could be a guy who comes off the bench and fills in when needed and stuff like that. Or, you know, if you're playing with a back four, he could be a guy who comes in if you want to play in a back three for a game or something like that. So uh, I think he's a, a decent role player type of piece. Great last second header guy. Just went a corner. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, the true. dying minutes of the game yeah. and, and hit it to Wanho. Yeah. 
Jared says, don't get me wrong, I love Caleb Wiley and he has incredible potential, but at no fault of his own or Pineda's, he's been over, ha, has he been overused this season? And is he starting to burn out? Is it good experience or too much for a young player? I have similar questions. And I think I've asked this to Gonzalo before about whether they were in a rush to kind of get Aiden and Caleb mm-hmm. some rest as players got healthier. Aiden has obviously gotten some rest for, I think they just like Lennon and, and Hernandez better, understandably. Caleb is not. <laughs> Caleb has played just about as many minutes as, as anyone else on the team, bar like Alan Franco, I think. Yeah. It's kind of absurd, and I'm I'm a little bit worried about it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I The difference between those two is that Caleb Wiley is still like your best option um, in the position that he's playing, which is to kind of patrol that left flank, whether that you're calling him a winger or a wingback or whatever it is. Um, keeping the width on the left side is his job in this team, and he does it probably better than anybody else. I mean, you could have Andrew Gutman do that role, and he, he could probably do it as good or better maybe than Caleb Wiley, but then if you move him out, then you kind of have a, a different gap in at you know, Andrew Gutman's role that you would have to fill and you would probably select Caleb Wiley for that role too. So it was just one of those things where I don't think Pineda can like get him out of the lineup. I think that he, in his heart of hearts, I don't know if he would say this to us publicly, but I do think he would like to get him some rest. And I think that that's when you asked him the other day, I think that that was kind of like what you were alluding to was like, it just, it's because it seems like he's been playing a lot and I think he would be, uh, I think a rest would do him a lot of good. Um, But I don't think it's bad for him necessarily. I just think that, he's not performing optimally because he's maybe a little bit run down. But I think overall, the experience of playing in all these games is going to be good for him long term. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. And I'm looking at it now. He's played uh, 1,276 minutes on the season. It's not quite as high as I thought it was off the top of my head. He has started like 13 straight games, which is maybe why in my head I'm going, "Uh uh-oh, Caleb's playing a little too much. And that is... That's a heavy load for a 17 year old. 17 is super young like that. I mean, that's just that's young. But then again, considering what we know about Gonzalo Pineda and his staff and everything like that, they they tend to err on the side of caution when it comes to overuse. Mm -hmm. And, And I think I think they're being careful about that in a way that makes sense. I at least hope so. Right. I I would tend to believe they are. Logan, the Shogun. Says best Sosa game ever or best since Einze left. It's a good thought. He really did slow down, but he was already slowing down before Gabby got fired. I think mm-hmm. because teams have kind yeah. of figured him out a little bit. Yep. Now he's he looks a little more versatile in what he's trying to do. He's getting forward a little more and is able to distribute in in different ways. I think that he was distributing under Gabby. Remember under Gabby, he was dropping deep, sitting in between the center backs and just kind of trying to spray. He was a center diagonals back. Over yeah, exactly. Exactly. So now that he's kind of switched away from that and is, is a little healthier, I think it's a different role. And I think he's doing well with it. Mm-hmm. His best game? Probably. Probably. Yeah, I agree. There was another game that he scored in, but clearly it must have not have been an MLS game. It was a, a U.S. Open it was Cup a game. CCL game. Against, or, uh, yeah. Against Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yep. It was uh, already I, uh, dead and buried. I remember in that game, he he was playing a little bit more of a central midfield role in that game because they needed to be a little bit more aggressive and push him forward because they were losing by three goals uh, in that second leg. And you could tell, like you could see what he could potentially provide getting further forward, but you could just tell he had not really trained in that kind of a role and he was just not very 
well regimented in it at that point. So I agree that I think that this was probably one of his best games ever. <laughs> um, just like playing this role as like a true midfielder that can get a little bit further forward and, and add value in the yeah. opposing teams in the final third and in the opposing half. So, yeah, I'm down with that. I do. I still do think <laughs> that home leg of against Philadelphia was amazing for 45 minutes and he was really good in it. But uh, but then then Jim Curtin figured it out. And ripped us to shreds. Out there, he, out there, he, I want to point out too. He's a U twenty two guy. Yeah, you know, and I mean, as far as like the rate of return on U twenty two guys around MLS, it's not high. Is it it's really? Not. I haven't even paid so, attention to other U twenty twos, but that's interesting. Yeah, so to be getting a guy who seems to be progressing in a positive way and it can kind of continue to be effective, maybe be a central piece. I want you to do next year and then even potentially move on elsewhere and you can recoup your value. That's that's a good sign. It's a good sign. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You, you get lucky when you get hit on your uh, U22 guys, honestly. Mm. Let's see. Mm. We got some questions about the rest. We can already complained about the rest. I'm just going to skip them. Yeah. Someone says, uh, has there been any talk around a Barca loan renewal or are we going to be forced to bring him back into the team in 2023? We have no updates on this, I don't think, as far as I know, anyway. Uh, yeah, Joe, anything? Yeah, no, I mean, this kind of stuff, typically, you won't hear about it, especially with a player on loan. Like, you won't honestly often hear about negotiations happening while the season is still going. Uh, I will say, Barco, it's not looking, like, great for him. He's not having a great season. He scored some goals in uh, Copa Libertadores, but in the league right now in Argentina, and this must just be in, like, the uh, the Apertura or the Glazura or whatever they're in. Anyway, they've played 14 games, 14 registered games so far. Uh, or, no, I'm sorry. He's played in 12 matches and has one assist and no goals. So, <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> So maybe he'll great be able sounds to come like back Atlanta on or something to... or something. Some of that. Right. They're in uh, Atlanta United's like in some the... trouble. Yeah. They're in there. Like when you think about Barco and Eric Lopez, who was on a very high wage, at least this year. And I assume he would continue to be on that kind of over 500 K wage. Um, yeah. They're going to have to figure something out. I think, I think that the, the buyout will be used on Eric Lopez, by the way. I don't think it'll be used on somebody that's like currently in the squad. Unless they can fair. find someone to just take them, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that. A lot of, lot of contracts that just eat, honestly. If you can, yeah. if anyone will take them off your hands, you know? I want to look up, uh, see what Eric Lopez is up to. If I can... Oh, gosh, I don't even see him on the. Oh, here he is. Let's see. Let's see what he's doing. Let's see what he's doing. He's played in five matches and has no goals or assists. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Another Yay. top quality. Looks like those are, these are all sub appearances, too. So sweet. Perfect. He's played like can't wait to see what happens there. Can't wait. Uh, let's move on to more depressing stuff. B. Modenhall says defensive breakdowns are a problem this year. Can that be explained in part by positional play and possession philosophy? In other words, does the D shut off because often possession and attack is the focus? In my head, this is like the Little League kids getting distracted because the pitcher isn't throwing strikes. You know, 
and <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know how much truth there is to that but it shouldn't be a problem either way when you're getting paid you know hundreds of thousands right. of dollars to do exactly not that and so i i don't know blaming the the philosophy is it's not it's not good enough for me i guess is what i'm trying to say i agree it's not i mean tata martino's teams played they were those guys were in one on ones quite a bit and they were just better defenders. I think just like I, sometimes the yes. easiest explanation is the best explanation, which is that you just had better players that were better at taking the ball and better at possessing the ball and controlling the ball and doing all the defensive things. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's the that's the biggest part of it. Um I think throughout over the when you look over the course of the season, I think you've gone through many different issues. Obviously, you had the the Miles Robinson injury and that causes a disruption, a major disruption on the back line that takes time to kind of smooth over. You've got indecisiveness, lack of confidence, like all kinds of different things have happened over the course of the season. And frankly, just tons of just individual errors, just bad mistakes on a bad touch or something, you know, something technical that just leads to a chance for the, for the opposing team. I don't think it's about shutting off. I don't, I don't think it's about that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's just players not being quite as good at soccer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Speaking of here says is Lennon the right attacking fullback for us long-term. He has decent chance creation stats, but fails the eye test because he has very average footwork. And only an ability to do the same style of cross. I think that maybe Brooks might be one of those pieces that you can trade in the offseason for some allocation money and, and potentially fill that spot with someone more dynamic. That's a thought. But you may not be able to. Maybe they're really, really happy with what Brooks is doing. But largely, we talked about this before. We agree. There, there's not enough variation in the cross. There's not enough pace on it. Uh, he's not stellar defensively. He's, he's honestly... He's been involved with some pretty bad defensive moments this year. I'm not sure he's been the root cause, but he hasn't improved mm-hmm. him in a lot of cases either. And I think we saw that mm-hmm. this weekend as well. So what do you think, Joe? Uh, the, the chance creation stat always gets thrown around with Brooks Lennon because I think he is like very high up there, both on Atlanta United and probably like in the league. But I just I don't love that stat like it's just a a created chance just means you had a pass that led to a shot. That's like a a key pass is a a pass that leads to a shot. A shot assist is a way you can think about it. And for him, that's happening because he's just, you know, putting in a lot of crosses. And if somebody like gets ahead to it that, you know, is highly contested and kind of. Floats out of bounds, pretty, you know just non-threatening um that's still a chance created and it can sound a lot better than like a chance that's being created by a Tiago Amada through ball or something so it's not like he's um some offensive force and I think that sometimes when you just look at the stats um that can be kind of um misconstrued those stats can be a bit misconstrued I'm not like a Lennon hater I find him to be perfectly serviceable in a lot of games if he was your eighth or ninth best player in your 11 i think that that's totally that's probably fine um you need just better players around him he's not like a he's not gonna be a star player for you he's fit he runs a lot um so he does a lot of things that you want but he's just not 
if you I think if if you can upgrade at that position, you then you do it. Like you you take that chance to try to do it. Um, but it's, it wouldn't be the worst thing I think either if he comes back because you don't need to like force him out. I don't think. Um, no, just looking at mm-hmm. the salaries and stuff. So there's there's the there's there's the give and take with him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Michael says Atlanta United is second to last in the East, and the twos are winless in their last eleven. Don't worry about the twos. They need fixing, but how big is the scope of the fix? Is it just a reworked roster, first team coaching staff, front office academy chains, or should they alter the whole possession-oriented club philosophy? The philosophy question is interesting to me because so many teams in MLS that are very good now aren't necessarily possession-oriented. It can still be effective. You see Austin do it. I think to some extent LAFC does it as well, but they move the ball so quickly it almost doesn't matter. Uh, I think it can, t- can be effective. I think it continue to be effective, but I-, I do have some questions about that and some reservations, but it's the direction you're going in and it doesn't feel that far off. We've said that so many times, I think, but it doesn't feel that far off. Fix the midfield, maybe make an improvement at right back, get the right center back partner in for miles Robinson. And you're probably pretty okay. I want to add one more to the thing to this before we kind of get into some of these other things that Michael mentioned, which is that, you know, when it comes to like a possession oriented philosophy, um, Tata Martino's teams were typically very high possession percentage. I think in his first year, he was second in the league. Only Sporting KC had a higher possession. And then I think the second year when they went to the back three, they had a little bit less possession, but it was still, I think, like fourth in the league. Um, so the, basically the point being is that the team still held a ton of possession relative to other teams in MLS. But still, when you look at their goals, their goals were not being scored through their possession. The possession is more of a defensive structural way to keep yourself organized and difficult to play against kind of part of the tactic. Tonto mm-hmm. Martino's teams were still getting the ball and moving quickly up the field and scoring. And when you talk about Austin, like that's something that strikes me is like when they ripped Atlanta United apart, they were doing it purely on the counterattack. I mean, they had 30 percent possession in that game. Um, so you the, the point being is that regardless of whether you want to be possession oriented or not, you you have to be able to create chances for yourself on the break regardless. So right. whether that's counter pressing or playing deeper like Tata Martino's team, Tata Martino's teams, Martino's teams did in 2018 and breaking from a deeper portion. However you do that, you got to just be able to find those moments in games and capitalize on them quickly. It means that all the players on the field have to be able to immediately recognize when those chances are on and work in unison together uh, in those moments, just like Austin did against Atlanta. And I mean, I think that that's kind of the perfect example to go back and look at. Um, but that's where I think this team needs to improve. I feel like when we see that this team, and I feel like they have started to do that better in recent games, um, be able to find those transition opportunities and be really threatening. Um, you're not going to score many goals at really any level, even at the highest level. Very few teams are scoring goals after they've strung together 30 passes like that just doesn't happen very often. Um, You're almost uh, there's like the statistic is actually really crazy. It's like the average goal is scored with like four passes in the possession or something like that. It's something insane, like insanely lower than you would think, even for a possession based team. So that's the one thing I would have to say about that. It's a whole conversation. I know like a lot of people talk about it. I don't think it's that 
important really like it's I, I think it's just maybe not focusing on the the right thing that could get this club firing and being a lot more attacking um as to the rest of michael's question i mean i think the front office is is a you know we're gonna have changes for sure because you're gonna get a new president in and i think that that president is going to want to make changes on the sporting side as well somehow. I mean, I think it would be kind of crazy if you didn't considering this team's track record of the last three years, any competent and confident executive wouldn't want to be making changes in that area. So I think we, and, and I, and that will lead to a lot of, you know, a lot more potential success if, if they can make those changes and make them work. So I think that's something we're definitely going to see roster obviously kind of plays into that obviously on the sporting side you're building the roster so there's definitely going to be huge changes on the roster coaching staff i i i shouldn't say it's not an issue but like i would not expect changes there this year i don't think there should be i think that the coaching staff there needs to be some stability in the on the coaching um for this team because they've just been kind of chopping and changing for a while leading up to Pineda. all agreed all agreed all right joe patrick Let's close this out real quick All right. with a little bit of rapid fire. Pierce asked Mascara Ooh. over Wiley next game? Question mark. I wouldn't hate yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it either. I, I would. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Mascara has a lot of like chaotic, mm-hmm. neutral, chaotic, evil energy. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. It's mm-hmm. somewhat. We, we've been complaining about his touch. Guess who else's touch we complained about? Tito Viaba. Just that saying. A, that's a good point. Wes, the Bane of Scooters, says when you're laying down to contemplate the existence of reality and the eternal struggle, fighting against it day after day after day after day after day, are you laying face down or on your back? Generally, I like to lay on my back when I'm contemplating my uselessness to society. But Joe, what about you? I'm on my stomach. Face down in the pillow. Oh, yeah. Understandable. It's a good one. It's a good one. Man of fact, uh, one quarter says, when is the season over? Because we were promised to miss the playoff pizza party. I think the pizza party is actually on October 1st. Get in the Patreon Discord and we'll talk about it. Uh, Pierce says, if your center back pool in 2023 is Robinson, Prada, Campbell, and Franco, are you satisfied? I am not. I'm definitely yeah, not. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be better. There's got to be improvements at least at the your second center back, which I think is Alan Franco in this case. Yeah, yeah. Again, lots of questions whether you can move him or not. Bad Boy says, any thoughts to Jackson Conway not getting any run this year? Do you think, given we're at the point of the season where some younger guys should probably get a look, we'll see more of him. He seems to be doing well for the twos, and when he played for the first team in the past, he at least made runs and hustled, which at this point is all we can ask How have we not talked about this before? Because I feel like with all the Joseph Martinez... Because there are so many other problems. (laughs) Uh, It's weird, like, how little run he's gotten with uh, the first team. Um, Admittedly, I don't really know if he's had any injuries which i know have affected have affected him in the past um uh, but you know me i would certainly be down to <laughs> see him because <laughs> i'm like the highest person on <laughs> that i he know does i mean the closest comp i can think of to him that we've seen any united is is brandon vasquez so i'm just saying that's a really it. great comp i love it i think love about it. it don't give up don't Rob- give up exactly Ralph says, which of the following players have that dog in them? Gutman, Franco, Lennon, Almada, Araujo. I think it might be only Gutman and Almada. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. Yeah, that's a bummer. That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Pineda Head 17 says, is the season finally over? Should I give up hope or keep being sad? Over this time, we all once again tell me where to put my emotions. I would go ahead and emotionally check out, even if you aren't like mentally <laughs> checked out from this. I would not be invested in any more of the results. However, this is becoming like a dating column. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a, a pretty toxic relationship right now, honestly. Um, <laughs> look, whatever happens now is like bonus, right? So if Atlanta United does somehow get into it, just let yourself be be pleasantly surprised. Don't get worked up if they're not. It's probably done. It's probably done. Yeah. Can't use that. Says we ended the game with. Ooh, I like this. We can't. We ended the game with one sub available and Marcy on the bench in a must-win game. Anything we should be taking or not taking from that? I am curious about that. I'm going to ask about this during the week now. Uh, we'll, we'll get Gonzo's answer for that because it seems like in a game where you have five subs and you need you need a, a goal, goal. Yeah, it seems interesting that Marcy did not come on. In the end, there has been a rumor. Not that this would relate to this, but I thought the same thing. There has been a rumor of uh, Marcelino Moreno to Boca Juniors. Raquel May wants him at Boca, apparently. Maybe so. Something maybe, to maybe. something so, to kind of keep in the back you of your would, head. You would hold the player out if you were trying to get rid of him. Tony says Gutman is becoming a fan favorite and solid player. How much will Boca sell him for this offseason, and how much should he be sold for? Uh, look, I, I really, really don't <laughs> think he's going anywhere. <laughs> But I appreciate where your head's at. And that was rapid fire. Joe, short one today. We had a much longer one on the Patreon where we were screaming and yelling about yeah. Red Bulls. Mostly me. Yeah. Mostly me because Atlanta United tried to play soccer. That was a good episode. A, a I rugby thought. team. Yeah, no, we nailed that one. This one was the this sleepy <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> just lost to Manchester United. Joe's on three and a half hours of sleep episode. So. Yeah. See, this is what you guys get for not joining the Patreon. It's your fault. Hopefully on the Patreon, we will have a better episode coming later this week with Teodal Football, where we will kind of get into his thoughts on Atlanta United this year and kind of do our, you know, how to how to fix this team again. So that should be an interesting conversation. Much more interesting than this one. Let's end it now. Yes. Let's get out of here. Bye, all. Thanks for tuning in everyone to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.